I think every person has a need for relationships, and that might seem like a weird thing to start with, and some of you might think, well, duh, but for some of us, that's something that we don't always want to admit. Um, I think that's more true of guys than gals. I think, um, historically speaking, maybe that's too bold of a statement, but in the last number of decades, I think my dad, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, those guys, like, there wasn't a lot of emotion to be shared unless it was a joke and they were laughing at something that they said or somebody else said, or they were angry. You know, guys are good at being angry and expressing those kinds of emotions, but when it comes to other types of emotions, like saying, I need people or feeling lonely or things like that, sometimes we're not that okay with it. And culture is shifting, and I think um, the, the older you are, the more likely that is, and the younger you are, the less likely that is, but... In the Midwest, we're about, I don't know if you know this, we're about five or ten years behind the rest of the nation. Like the edges of the nation are moving a little bit more quickly than we are in certain areas, right? And so there's still something kind of lingering in this Midwest idea of I'm a good old boy and I work hard and I play hard and talking about feelings and relationships, that's just like psychological fluff and a little too touchy-feely, just let me do my thing and, and carry on. And and as like I said, as much as that, that might be true. You cannot deny that we were all made for community. We were all made for relationship. Uh, I'm, for instance, I'm an introverted person. I'm pretty introverted. And some of you are more introverted. Some of you are extroverted. And there is a, a scale. Some of you are really introverted. And some of you are really extroverted. And some of you are somewhere in between on that. Um, before I got married, being an introvert, I didn't know a lot of people. I'd been to Loami not very long. And I would come to church, and I would go home, and I didn't go out all the time with various people, but I could not talk to a single human soul for like six days and not even know it. It just didn't bother me. I didn't get lonely. I just was like doing my own little thing. I don't, I don't have a ton of that desire for a, a bunch of relational connection. Now, some of you who are more extremely introverted, you need every day of the week to be a little bit like a party. You need it to be a little bit chaotic. You need 9 to 12 people to be around you all the time or else you start getting lonely. And if you had to spend a week in my shoes, you would feel like you had been sentenced to solitary confinement in the jail. And if I spent a week in your shoes, I would need medication because I would just lose my mind being around so many people. Sometimes it's just the noise and the busyness. And it's just like, I just want to retreat into a hole. And so that's just kind of how I am. And some of you are the way you are. And, but just because I'm introverted and some of you are introverted, that doesn't mean that we need to escape completely relationships. We might need fewer close connections than other people, but we still need relational connection in our lives. And uh, as I was thinking this week through, you know, our how deeply we need emotional connection and how serious it is for us and what links we'll go to to get it at times, I thought of the movie Castaway. How many of you have seen the movie Castaway? Okay, a few of you. If you haven't, I'm going to spoil it a little bit of it for you. So, it's like 10 years old, though, so it's on you. Um, so, um, Castaway. Tom Hanks gets stranded on a desert island all by himself. There's not a single soul for him to talk to, be around. No friends, no company, no other people at all. And so what does he do? He makes a friend. Not like goes out and introduces, like, oh, I went to school and made friends. No, he literally makes a friend out of what? And most of you know his name. What's his name? Wilson, yeah, right? And he, you know, has a handprint of blood on it. He, you know, scrapes a little face into the handprint. And his 
desire for relationship was so strong that when there were no people around, he invented a person to be around. And they did such a good job in that movie of making Wilson kind of feel like a person and at least conveying how real he was to Tom Hanks. And Tom Hanks is the best actor, I think, by the way. So that at the end, or closer to the end of the movie, when he's trying to escape that island on a raft and he loses the grip on Wilson and Wilson starts floating away and he's screaming, Wilson! Wilson! A lot of you, myself included, had a tear in your eye, didn't you? I mean, when's the last time you cried over sporting goods? Like, but, but it did that, it gave that point, right, that you and I were made for connection to the extent, like, when there's none around, we'll make it up if we have to. It is undeniably a part of the human condition that you and I were made for relationships. And, and some people will say, oh, that's just an evolutionary advantage from being in groups. It's better for our survival. But it's more than that. God, I think, made us with a desire, more than a desire, even a need for human relational connection. In fact, the first thing in the story of Scripture, in the creation account, the first thing that was ever labeled as not good was a human being being by themselves, was a person who didn't have anybody else to connect to. That's before sin entered the picture. That's before disease, old age, tragedy, hurricanes, floods. The first thing in all of creation that was labeled as bad was being alone. Because God built it into our souls for us to know other people and be known by other people. We were meant to walk side by side through this life, shoulder to shoulder with other people through life, tackling obstacles, facing adversity, working purposefully together, accomplishing meaningful things together. We were meant to be around others doing things together. We were made to have people that we could trust, people to laugh with, cry with, mourn with, celebrate with. We were designed, you were designed by God to walk through this world with people who know you're not perfect, who love you anyway, who forgive you anyway, even when you're a mess and you do stuff that's not overly attractive to be around. But I don't think you were just designed for any type of community. You were, yes, designed for community, but a specific kind of community. Because you can find community in a lot of different places. You can find your tribe. That's a big word that's been tossed around the last few years. Where's your tribe, okay? You can find your tribe in a lot of places. I think this is one of the best things about going to college. I'm not saying you have to go to college, but one of the perks of going to college is that there's so many different people from so many different places and so many different cultures and, and backgrounds coming into one environment that you can find people like you. Right? It's weird sometimes the niche groups that will exist at a college. You know, you'll. F- I remember there were people that would meet in our uh, community room at our at our dorm, and they would play. How many of you heard of the game Risk? Board game Risk. It's the worst game ever. It's awful. But they would sit and play Risk all night, and they're like, "Boy, they come in the morning after you're like waking up, and they're like, man, that was a heavy night of risk, and it's like, I've played risk. There's no heavy night of risk. It's like the most boring, slow-moving game ever. It's rough stuff, and yet they were in it, and they loved it, and they felt like that was a heated night to go through, okay? So you can find your tribe of car people like you, food people like you, movie people like you. You can find people like you in a lot of places. You can go to college. You can go to a bar. You can find friends at work. You can find friends at the softball 
softball league that you're a part of or the volleyball league that you're a part of after work. You can find community in a lot of different places. But a lot of times, the communities that we find ourselves in are lacking one really huge, important part of life that we were meant to have in that community. Faith. You see, God made you and he made me to be a part of faith-filled community. It's, there's, we've got to have community in our lives, and obviously I'm a pastor, so I'm going to say you need to have faith in your life, but those two things were meant to intersect in a powerful way. You were meant to have faith-filled community. And far too often, we separate those two. And we have our community people, we have our friend group, we have the people that we hang out with, the people that we do stuff with, and we have the place that we go to have our faith, and we kind of keep those things separate. And so we make faith a me thing. Because it's not, we're not going into faith, we're not pursuing faith with other people, so it's not about this collective thing that we're doing. Faith becomes about you. It becomes about me and what I am getting out of it. We focus on our own experience. We ask ourselves, what did I get out of that service? We come to church focused on getting our cup filled, so to speak, having, having ourselves poured into. We, we expect the, the service, the music, the sermon to make us feel certain things. But here's what I firmly believe. When you separate faith and community, when you come to church just for the faith side of things and ignore the community, you are pursuing what I like to call a decapitated faith. That's a gross way to think about it. But but in Scripture, Jesus says, the church is my body. Jesus considers himself the head and the church his body. And I don't mean the building. The church is the people. And so we are meant to be, in some way, an extension of Christ. He's the driving force. He's the one that guides us and directs us. And in the church, we're all like different parts of this body made up together. We're bones and organs and ligaments and tendons and muscles. And we are all supposed to work together for the good of the rest of the body. Because when the body is all functioning well, the re- or when a part of the body is functioning well, the rest of the body benefits. When something in the body is not functioning up to full strength, the rest of the body suffers. And so we are all meant to work together for the good of each other. And we are all supposed to work collectively to be the moving hands and feet of Jesus into this world in which he's placed us. So Jesus says, I am the head, the church is my body. And when you say, I don't want the community side of that, I just want faith for me, I just want to make sure I got my ticket punched to heaven, you are pursuing a decapitated faith. Only one important part of what Jesus has called us to pursue. And I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of get why people want to come to church and not really get involved with all the people. Um, I got three reasons why I think that is. Let me give you one that's not in my notes that I just feel strongly about. Sometimes church people are just the worst. I'm not, I'm, let me just say that. I'm just going to put that out there. I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying some of the worst stories you hear about people being treated happen in church. I would say a huge proportion of the population that doesn't go to church does so because they went to church once and church people or a church person or a group of church people did something or said something to them that just hurt their feelings, broke their heart, or offended them in such a way that they just couldn't think about stepping foot in a church again. So I get that, why people might not think of coming to church for the people. Sometimes church people get a bad rap because a few have hurt our reputation. Another reason why is because you've already got friends outside of the church. You do. you got friends at work. you got friends you grew up with in high school, friends you made in college. you got uh, friends from 
again, that after work sports thing that you're in. Uh, you maybe you, if you, I know some people they've had interactions with a, through a health issue, been in a hospital a long time. They're friends with the people that cared for them. They're, that's lifelong relationships that came out of that. And so before you even came to church, you feel like I already got all my friend slots filled. But again, if you don't have any faith in your community, who's encouraging you to follow Jesus? Who's encouraging you to, to make those hard steps of integrity? Not someone who's encouraging you to follow your heart or chase your dreams or those fluffy things, but who's encouraging you to actually truly take and make meaningful, purposeful steps toward the way Jesus wants you to live? Who are the people that are praying for you? Or more than that, who are the people that are praying with you that'll grab your hands, put their hand on your shoulder, whatever, and actually pray for you in that moment to encourage the Holy Spirit to be with you and obvious to you? You see, if you don't have faith in that community that you have, I think you're missing something. And the third reason why I think people don't come to church looking for community is because most everyone, not everyone, but most, an overwhelming majority of people are on social media. And we think, I got 200 Facebook friends. I got 800 Instagram followers. Check. I got my community, st- community taken care of. You might spend all day making little comments on people's pictures, liking it. Or now you can, I don't know, for the last year or two, you can hover over the like button on Facebook and you get a smiley face or a frown or a wow or that little angry face. By the way, let me just say, Christians, stop using the angry face. We use it too much. Stop using the angry face. I don't know what it is. Just move along. People, people think we're angry enough. We just need to not give them any more reason to think we're angry. Side note, has nothing to do with the sermon. That's just a pet peeve. Second, but, but everyone thinks they've got social connection because it's called social media. Um, but one thing that's very fascinating, Scott Saul is a pastor. I think this is very profound. He says that we have never been more connected, and yet people have never felt more disconnected. I mean, people, they don't, I don't know if we always identify that we're disconnected from people because we feel like we're connected to people. But something's off and we know it. We're disconnected from a sense of peace. I mean, people have never been more anxious and stressed. We're disconnected from a sense of purpose and meaning with our life. I feel like we're just kind of going through life and wasting our time. We've never been more disconnected from wisdom. People who actually love us enough to maybe hurt our feelings and say, what you're doing is dumb. Here's a better way to live. And we, we reject that because sometimes social media is all, you go and you can do it and you do you and you're awesome. But we need wisdom in our lives. We're disconnected from having a foundation to st- place our lives on that's not always shifting and moving. People in this world, we have never been more disconnected, even though there is a social, a digital sense of connection. And so we come to church Not looking for the relational aspect of it because, quite honestly, we don't think we need it. We've got friendships. We've got community. But I think we've got to have community and our faith brought together. They have to be together. And when you neglect one without the other, you're only getting a part of faith, a very limited part of faith. One of my favorite places to kind of dive in and understand how these two are supposed to go together is in the book of Acts. In in the second chapter of the book of Acts, there's these like six small verses, uh, verse 42 through 47. And this is a snapshot of the church as it's just starting. This is the church when it's just getting off the ground. And you see how powerfully faith and community are supposed to come together. So if you want to grab a Bible, feel free to do so. If you brought one, awesome. If you didn't, there's a black pew Bible near you. If you don't own a Bible, Take that one home with you. That's our gift to you, totally free. You're not stealing from us. There might be some kid doodles in there. We can't promise that, That's, but, but it's free. So, um, 
But the verses will also be up here on the screen as well. Now again, it's talking about Christians. They and they, Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Fellowship means a community of people. It's, it's, it's the Greek word koinonia. It means to be together in a, in a very powerful way. Um, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you have this group of people who, one, dedicated themselves to actually growing in their faith by listening intently and as much as they could to what the apostles were teaching. If you don't know what an apostle is, the apostles were the group of men who spent years and time around Jesus before he was crucified or after he rose from the dead, and they spent personal time with Jesus being instructed and taught. So they were then teaching what Jesus taught and being directed by the Holy Spirit themselves. And so these believers were coming, listening to these men who had sat in the circle of Jesus' closest friends, and they were teaching. And then it says they went to uh, the services at the temple. Uh, everybody at this point in time, they were all Jewish people. They were all Jewish Christians. Um, every Christian right now was, was Jewish, or at least where we pick up our story. And so they were just kept doing what they, they knew. They went to the temple for daily prayers and services, and that's where they met together as well. Um, it says they had everything in common. Everything in common. Now, uh, that doesn't mean that they were a part of some weirdo cult where they all like lived in the same compound and ate the same food in the same cafeteria and all wore the same purple Nike jumpsuits every day. And that wasn't something weird like that. What it me meant was they viewed everything they possessed as for the common good of the rest of the church people. And as it shifts into that idea of, of they had everything in common, we start to get this resounding drum being beaten over and over and over in this passage. And it's that these people were deeply invested in the lives of one another. It says if when, they had, uh, when there was a need that arose, it said they started selling their stuff to meet the need. That They saw their possessions as an opportunity to provide for those who might be going through a tough spot at that moment. Now some people will use these verses to say that the church uh, was built on communism, which is great, you know, uh, to take, hijack a, the verse of the Bible to push communism. But this verse isn't about a political or a social setup. That's not what it's trying to teach. It's trying to highlight the fact that these people cared about each other and they wanted to help one another. And it wasn't that they were forced to give their stuff away for, so, so it could be equally distributed. It's that when they saw somebody hurting, if, whether it was somebody who sat in the back corner, saw somebody in the front corner that was hurting, they just cared and said, I hate that they're hurting. They're a part of my family. They're a part of this group of people, that, this fellowship of faith, and I want to help them any way I can. And so people saw their belongings, their possessions, as a, a tool to be used to meet the needs in their faith community. And it goes on to say that they met every day, that they ate in each other's homes, they had meals in each other's homes. It says they broke bread together, which means they didn't just have a meal, but that they did 
had communion together, just like we had communion a little bit ago. Now, they did it differently. They would take a big piece of unleavened bread and break a chunk off and dip it in the, the wine, and they would eat, do communion like in a, a more natural way, probably. They, I don't think they had little teeny plastic cups in the first century. They didn't have plastic cups. Maybe they had little teeny cups carved out of something. I don't know. But they did it a little differently, but it was still a communion to remember that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that his body was broken so that we might have hope and forgiveness and peace. And so what they did was they took this element of faith and they brought it into their homes and they brought it into their friendships because this was not, there wasn't a line of these were my church friends and these were my friends from work or anything like that. It was, I have a faith community. I have a community where faith has to be a part of it. It's all one thing where we are together and we are in Christ and I am for you and you are for me. And, and if I can help you follow Christ more closely, I win because you are then going to help me follow Christ more closely. These things were inseparably linked together. You need both sides, faith and community. One without the other, you can, yeah, you can do it, but I don't think it's going to be as beneficial to you. You need the head, Jesus, the head of faith, and the body of faith. You need Jesus and his church. But let me say something hugely important, because, again, all of us at least understand that we need some form of relationship in our lives. But when it comes to the church and having a community or being involved with the community in church, sometimes something gets miscommunicated or there's a, a bad belief about it. And we think that we should just be able to walk into a church and, and find the perfect church. Has that ever worked out for anybody? I think some people become serial church hoppers because they go to a church and it, oh, it's so great, it meets my needs, this is so wonderful, and then something happens, somebody offends them, somebody breaks their heart, somebody says something, or somebody doesn't say something at the right time, and so they move along to another church and they say, I thought that was a good church, but I'm going to go find a good church. I'm going to go find a, good, a community that meets my needs. But you are not going to find faith-filled community. Because great community isn't found, it's formed. It's something that you invest in for good or bad. You're investing with broken people, messy people, and relationships and community. Of course it's going to be a mess. And if you ever walk into the perfect church, let me say something to you. If you ever find that perfect church and you say, I found it, leave because all you're going to do is mess it up. That's, I mean, because, again, we're all a mess. And if you find that rare gem, you're going to just dirty it up. And so, so we can't, you, there's no place you're going to walk into and think, I found it. If you want to find a church community that you can be a part of in a meaningful way, you're going to have to go in and form relationships to do the hard work of forming relationships. And I think, you know, this, th there's a little bit of this that goes both ways. Okay, if you're new to church, I do think a church should be welcoming and inviting and, and encouraging you to, to, people should be learning your name and, and saying, hey, why don't you come to this group or why don't you, you know, walk through this with me? They should, people should be naturally inviting you in deeper. But there comes a point where the, the, the responsibility doesn't fall just completely on the people that are already there. At some point, you've got to do the work to get involved. You've got to do the work to get to know people because friendship, relationship, it goes both ways. And you know, we can say, I want to find a good church. I want to be a part of a biblical community. But it's, are you willing? Are you willing to do what it takes to be a part of that, to form those deep and lasting relationships? We said last week 
that just wanting something isn't enough. A lot of people want stuff, but what separates the people who spend their lives wanting and what spends, uh, separates them from the people who actually spend their lives moving forward is the people that are moving forward are actually willing to do what it takes to get some of those things that they want. And I don't mean that in a bad way. If that sounds really off to you and from a Christian perspective, please go back and listen to last week's message if you missed it. But we need to be willing to do what it takes to pursue growth, to reach into a community of messy, dirty, sinful, oftentimes irritating people to grow and build relationships that are built on faith that can benefit us in a powerful way because we're led by the head of our faith, which is Jesus. And so it's not about you wanting to be a part of a good church. It's about, are you willing to put in the effort to form a great and healthy church? Because a church, again, it's all of us. Every single one of us share this responsibility to, to encourage a, our church to be healthy and thriving and to take care of one another. That's all of us. Because um, even, again, let's go back to the idea that we're a body, okay? Even in my body, there's, a, there's, there's parts that, that seem insignificant that seem like they don't really do anything at all. Like, take my appendix. I have never noticed my appendix. I have never thought about my appendix. But one day, what if it stops doing what it's supposed to do, which is sitting there quietly doing nothing? <laughs> what if it gets infected and starts to get nasty and it pops open? All of a sudden, that appendix that stopped doing its job makes the rest of my body less because it failed to do one thing, because it failed to keep up and think about the rest of the body. Some of you, I'm not saying you're appendix and you should sit there and do nothing. That's actually the opposite point. I should have picked a better organ. But anyway, you get the point. If one part of your body, your heart, your kidneys, stops doing what they're doing, the rest of your body immediately suffers. This is all of us. You might be the kidneys, you might be the heart. Maybe God would help you, you're the appendix. I don't know. But all of us share a role here to invest in and make sure this church is healthy, and it takes relationships. It takes faith and community coming together in a beautiful way. Now, let me give you a few ways where you can open yourselves up to the kind of faith community that you need. Maybe you say, my community thing's full. Fine, and I have faith. I don't need to merge the two. You're mistaken. That's not what Jesus has for us. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47 show us the beautiful picture of what can happen, the power of a church where we blend faith and community. So let me give you a few things you can do to open yourselves up to a better community here. One, talk to people here at this service. Show up a little early, which that might be asking a lot. I get that. I got kids. We don't get anywhere on time. Or stay late, linger, and mingle. Don't run out the door. I know you got a roast in the crock pot or you get, you're trying to beat whatever other churches to the buffets. I get that that can happen. But, but I'm going to be honest with you. There are some amazing conversations and relationships that happen after church. When we're just out in the foyer chatting it up, you know, not worried about getting our bellies full. We don't have any, we're not, I'm not sitting there looking, oh my gosh, i got to start the service in a minute. I can't be late because I'm the first thing up. There's great communication and stories and love that can be shared when we just stay here. Talk to people here. Um, another thing I know of that in the service that one reason why people don't, and I hear this, by the way, from everybody. Every time I say, we need to know each other better in the church family, every time I say that, somebody says to me, but I'm afraid that if I go up to somebody I don't know and say, hi, are you new here? They're going to say, well, I've been here for two years. You know, <laughs> Everybody says that. Everybody's scared of that. Okay, So let me just say a couple things. If you do that, and you're going to think, oh, I just shoved my foot so far in my mouth, man, I can taste my knee. You know, you're going to feel that way because they've been here two years and I didn't know. Let me just say, 
they didn't introduce themselves to you either. Right? They probably don't know you, and maybe they know your name, but I bet they don't know a lot about you, because if you've never talked enough to know their name, you know, you, they haven't taken that responsibility either. Again, relationships go both ways. So if somebody introduces themselves to you, or you introduce yourself to somebody, and they say, well, I've been here forever. How come you don't know me? You just say, oops, I guess that's what Anthony was talking about. I'm glad to know you now. And then, by golly, you do not forget their name after that awkward intercession. <laughs> if you forget their name after that point, that's on you, and I'm sorry. I don't know, what to, I don't know how to help you, okay? So talk to each other here. we got to do that. we got to know each other. Number two. Try getting in a growth group. I love our growth group. We meet every Wednesday night. Not every Wednesday night. A lot of Wednesday nights. We, some, some parts of the year we're more consistent than others. But the people that we're in a group with, man, I love these people. We have fun together. We laugh together. We study the Bible together. We try to figure out how we can follow Jesus more closely. We encourage one another. We have a Facebook messenger. Speaking of social media, we have a Facebook messenger with all of us in it, and that's how we keep in contact. We send funny things to each other. We send prayer requests to each other. We try to be a part of one another's life. And it's, I would never have known these people as deeply had it not been for that group. We have two group, adult groups that meet on Sunday morning at 9 a.m., or if, again, getting to church an hour early seems like an impossible mission for you, we meet um, 6.30 most Wednesdays uh, here. Let me know if you want to meet come this Wednesday because we might not meet, so we'll have, I'll let you know. Um, and finally, start serving somewhere. Because when you serve with somebody and you work next to somebody and you're solving problems and you're kind of in the thick of it, like, I mean, relationships grow in the trenches. And I'm not saying church ministry should be like a war zone, <laughs> although sometimes the kid ministry is a little bit like it probably. But, but when you're serving next to somebody, you're talking to them, you're appreciating them, you're seeing the work they're doing, you're learning from each other. And relationships can be formed out of that. Some of the deepest bonds that will, will ever be formed in your life were from the person you served next to and you uh, did that, that thing, that mission trip you went on together or whatever, you, that thing you did side by side, shoulder to shoulder. So you can have faith without the church, but I do not think that you will have a thriving faith without the church. I do not think you will have life as Christ intended for it to be in your life. I do not think that you will experience the growth and the life change as Jesus intended apart from a faith-filled community. You can want it all day long. You can want a good community. You can want a growing faith. You can want a relationship, but you have got to be willing to do what it takes to have it. Are you willing? Are you willing to do what it takes to have a great, healthy church here in Loami? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time to come together and just appreciate the joy of community. Sometimes we see the people here. Sometimes we know the people here. But we get so stuck in our business, in our head, what's going on in our lives that we forget that you, have, you haven't called us here to, to walk through this alone. You haven't called us to come to church and, and kind of wall ourselves off from everybody else. You've called us to come here and form relationships, to know people, to to help people grow closer to you. I mean, sometimes maybe we come to church and we don't hear a lick of the sermon because we were in the foyer praying for a friend, encouraging a friend. That's still church. That's still a blessing. Maybe somebody couldn't show up, and so instead of coming to the service and singing the songs that we were looking forward to, we end up holding babies in the nursery just to, to fill a spot. That's still church. And I pray, Father, that you would help us understand the, the shared responsibility that we have to one another. That if we're a part of a church, your body, that we 
have to be here to care for one another, to know, for, to know who's here, to know the needs that exist here so that we can care for each other, to know who needs encouraged in their walk of faith. I pray that we would not be people who have a decapitated faith, trying to separate faith and community, because you put those two things together for a very beautiful and specific and powerful reason. So, Father, help us as we think this through, as we kind of meditate on the words and, and, and take a t- some time to think over the passage of Acts and how beautiful life together can be. I pray that you would challenge us to open ourselves up more, not just to community, but faith-filled community, as Christ intended. We pray all this in his wonderful name. Amen.